Clayman Clayman Media. You're listening to the We Bear Witness podcast, where we discuss theological truths and cultural influences. Follow us on Spotify or wherever podcasts are streaming. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the We Bear Witness podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Uh, I'm Adam, and this is uh, Dylan with me now. It's been a while since he and I have been able to find enough time to get together and commit to one of these. Yeah, we always said family comes first, and uh, that was no more evident than the last few months. (laughs) And so you didn't hear from us because we've been spending time uh, doing what we believe is important and but we're happy to be back here uh and getting back into this together so we 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 are and i'm really looking forward to it man we got a lot of great things to talk about uh and today is no exception we're going to talk about some things that have been in the news cycle for a while just because we're kind of playing catch up and we had some thoughts about it um but first and foremost i want to talk about them jaguars baby yeah the surprise of the year i mean Surprise nothing. There were several of us that knew this was bound to happen. Oh, shut up. You you can't tell me when they were two and six that (laughs) you thought we would win the first, uh, you know, wild card or not wild card. Yeah. Playoff. Yeah. um, Wild card. Well, it's like, yeah, the wild card weekend and into the elite eight, basically, which is a basketball term, but we use it. Right. Because you're the city. You're playing for the AFC championship. You're playing KFC. Uh, that's what I'm calling them now. Um, yeah, and so use their technical name. Clay's going to have to bleep that out. You know, we're using <laughs> professional football, <laughs> the chiefs, yeah. um, Mahomes. I hope yeah. he knows. Here's did you hear though, that Trevor Lawrence, he had, he had never, he has never lost a Saturday game. I did in his high yeah. school, college, college or professional football career. Now I did hear that. It's crazy. That's ludicrous. Yeah. That's crazy. It's like what? 30? 37 to 0 or something like that on yeah, Saturdays. Yeah, 37 0. Yeah, on Saturdays. And I'm like, I hope Patrick Mahomes knows he's going against Trevor Lawrence on Saturday, man. I am so happy this game's on a Saturday. I mean, I don't believe in juju, uh, that kind of stuff, but man, that's that's pretty insane as far as statistics roll. Oh, yeah. But oh, yeah. it I was at the game and it was incredibly loud. It was incredibly duval. And the first half, 27 zip, and no, no one in the world thought that I mean, everyone pretty much was treating it like this game is over. And there's absolutely no reason why we should still be here. And the middle, like the Gallagher Bank decks, like where people spend thousands on their season tickets and stuff, they were all emptied out. And like everybody was back drinking beer and eating wings and stuff. And they were like, we're just going to make the best of the night. And first touchdown and field goal and then for another touchdown and two big stops. And before you knew it, it, it was neck and neck within 10. And we had to depend on things like two point conversions and, they had to miss a field goal. I mean, there was just so much stuff that had to happen. And the last kick there. barely, barely goes through the, the field goal upright. He grazed it. He, <laughs> he grazed it. <laughs> there was this odd, eerie silence. I didn't look. I was in the stadium, but I just couldn't. I couldn't look. I try not to, to look there, right? I really do try not to idolize things to that degree. You know, like you like, get a hold of yourself, show some self-control. Because there was always people around you like losing it. Like we had to play two teams that night, the refs. Uh, and, and the Chargers. So that was just brutal altogether. But I didn't look, and then it would just get eerie, like silent. And then all of a sudden, boom, the whole place erupts. Like right. it's just ground shaking, people jumping, always oh, the Jags, you know, and it, it was so, wild. So here's my question When's the last time you were at 
the Jag Stadium, and it wasn't a Florida Georgia game, and you saw it that full. I've never seen it that full. Now that's what no, I was thinking. People who are, I was with the week before when we played the Titans, they said it was that full. So there's only okay. been like two games this whole it's year. It's been a long been time. Oh yeah, but it is. It's good for our. Uh, it's good for our hometown. It's good for Jacks, and you know we love seeing them win. So and Trevor Lawrence is a great dude, and mm-hmm. I'm celebrating with now. Oh, did I tell you this? I haven't because we haven't really talked in a while, but. And apparently we get all of our talking done through microphones and online, but this is not really a podcast. <laughs> this is just a catch up session. Just, just yeah. The listeners have already tuned out. <laughs> like, why are we a part of this? But no, there is someone in our church here at Emily Baptist who walked up to me. It was Bunny Adams. Bunny did. And she walks up and she goes, I know maybe they'll listen to this and maybe he'll come because I'm mentioning it. But she, this is a friend of hers who said, uh, I'm, a, I'm a friend of his sisters or like his moms or somebody some relative of trevor lawrence like we know them very well and i've been wanting to get in touch with him to see if he'll come out and, and be a part of our worship services you know and the first thing i told bunny i was just like i don't know if like when i preach can i kind of not shout out go jags or like make him a big deal in the service like that would be terrible because right. we're only like 350 people yeah yeah you know like so he's gonna stick out he's six six and he has wavy blonde hair he looks like you know is right. his long finesse sassoon hair? Yeah, I, I saw this one meme up before the game. It said uh, the most combined hair on quarterbacks in a playoff game between the Chargers quarterback <laughs> and the Jags quarterback yeah. on Saturday, yeah. and they each owned half. So yes. enough football talk, but it does move into sort of what we wanted to discuss uh, about the series, sort of with this series that we've been going through in Amelia Baptist on Sundays. Have you listened? You've been you've been you watch both the sermons, right? On the, on the yeah, team. oh yeah, yeah. I've been uh, so as a lot of you know uh, before we stopped doing these podcasts towards December, I was just about to have a baby, and so well, and you didn't. My have wife a baby. was. I didn't have it. I was Emily. there helping. Uh, <laughs> Ashley being pretty uh, helpless Useless. in the yeah. room. <laughs> exactly. uh, anyway, Emily had a baby, um, yeah. and so. In all that time, we've been keeping her from getting sick and staying home and watching online. So I did watch those and heard the sermon on Sunday back in person. Yeah, we we've been talking about the uh, uh, five functions. Five functions of, of the church. The church. Yeah. Five functions of the church being teaching of the apostles, specifically of the apostles. And we got a little bit to why the whole counsel of God is important, both Old and New Testament, because there's a movement trying to unhitch from the Old Testament as if it is not... Relevant. as necessary or relevant i mean they're never demeaning the old testament when they do it but it's it's how does this apply why does anyone who needs to know about the bible why do they need to care about the old testament which you know it's just very dangerous territory because without the old testament those are the prophecies given new testament's prophecies fulfilled and then the whole narrative is about jesus you find jesus in every bit of the text from genesis to revelation there's a christ-centered jesus and a uh, christ-centered bible uh, it's all about Jesus, and there should be Christ-centered churches because of that. All so, scriptures given by inspiration of God, and and for uh, every bit of it, uh, for or our holiness, for our pursuit of holiness. So, all that to say, that's the first teaching of the apostles. And then last week we got into fellowship, and the last three of the five functions of the church mentioned specifically in Acts forty-two through forty-seven in chapter two are uh, ministry, worship, and missions. Here's what it says, just for anyone who hasn't checked out the sermons yet on our channel, or uh, just wanted to be reminded this morning. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is all taking place in context right after the Holy Spirit falls at the Church of Pentecost, right? And you have Peter and the apostles, the disciples who are with Jesus, all being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
This was prophecy and promise fulfilled that Jesus had made when he said, I'll be leaving you, but I'll be sending you a helper, which is even better uh, because he'll be filling in the lives of anyone who professes to believe and repent. Yeah, and talking about the importance of church membership as a body, and it's something that you know you mentioned uh, in your sermon on Sunday. That's it's not a easy topic to preach on, not a popular talk to, to talk about, but a biblical idea that we see in Scripture of being a member of a local body of believers, where there's fellowship, where there's accountability, where there's correction, where there's instruction, right. where there's bearing each other's burdens uh, through that time there. And uh, it, the way I heard it was that everybody should come join Amelia Baptist Church. That's what I, I took <laughs> out of your sermon there. So. You did? Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about that in a second. I'm, we're going <laughs> to, because, you know, membership just, it's so, um, such a great topic and no one ever has any controversy with it. So I was, uh, I was happy to your... see you uh, stand up, take a courageous stand there um, and really just share your heart about do membership. You, do you think I dug in too hard? Like when I talked no, about it? No, I'm, I'm teasing you. There. No, I mean, no, but I, I in all honesty, like that's a, I, <laughs> well, the rest of the passage <laughs> before you started dogging me is chapter two, 42 through 47 and 43. That's when everyone was filled with all the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Mm-hmm. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And this was consistent discipleship leading to growth. Right. And so you had that happen through the fellowship of uh, the saints, the church, the believer, the building of the church. And so all that to say, that's where we focused was on fellowship specifically, which we realize can be very difficult to do in a biblical sense because there's a lot of things that push us away from fellowship in our flesh. There's a lot of things that that we kind of think about to probably overanalyze and think, I don't want to be that vulnerable. I don't want people to know my name. And I began the whole concept or the message really, really focusing in on it's a good thing to be seen, even though we don't want to be seen. But I think there's something even in the text. We mentioned the NFL earlier, but when DeMar Hamlin had that has had that miraculous recovery now, praise God, and he brought the whole country together from, from with that hit. He, he was knocked unconscious with that hit, and everyone gathered around him. Kids who never prayed were like, we're praying for DeMar Hamlin. Yeah, I mean, something his heart stopped. His heart and stopped, re- yeah. Revived him. him. Yeah, resuscitated yeah. him on the field. So all of this happened, and it just shocked everyone. And it's not like bad things don't happen every day. You know, we just all watched this, and we were connected with it. And so I use that as an example of something where I'm so glad we, we, we banded together. I'm so glad there was support and prayer. But that's, that's like, every, if you know Christians, if you're a Christian and you know other Christians and you have the Spirit of God living in you and other people have the Spirit of God living in them, that's every day for us. We may not have a DeMar Hamlin level of connection, you know, where one thing binds us together like that. But we are, like you said perfectly, we're bearing each other's burdens we know each other. We know each other's names. We have each other on our mind. All of this is incredibly important. And so we just have to realize that even though the fellowship, it, it, can, it can lead to kind of having to see things about ourselves we may not want to see, that God has a plan in what he's doing and what he's designing. And we really, as the church, should be taking it seriously. So we, we spent the whole time talking about these elements or these sort of points of true fellowship that we see through uh, Philippians 1, 3 through 8. 
when Paul was in prison in Rome and he is really the happiest man, that's what I called him, the happiest man in Rome. And he's in prison because he feels the joy of the saints, even when he's not with the saints. He says, I thank my God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And he's like, it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me, share in the suffering with me. And then he says, God can testify how long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And that's really what I wanted the whole sermon to sort of bring about at the end was basically the same affection that nailed Christ to the cross. God's love for us that nailed Christ to the cross. God's love for his own glory nailed Christ to the cross. That same affection that's shared, even inner Trinitarian, shared within the Godhead, is the same affection because of the Spirit of God living within believers that is supposed to exist in the community of believers. So the question, Dylan, and one that makes for a lot of conversation is why doesn't it, or, and why is it hard? Why, why are people, so you answer me this, why are people who profess to be Christ followers, and some of this is rhetorical, but why do people who profess to be Christ followers, profess to study the Bible and live out the Bible, why is it so tough? Why is it so difficult to be a part of the fellowship of the believers, specifically the gathering of the saints on Sunday or Thursday night yeah. or however, wherever anyone celebrates it. I mean, I think there's a lot, man, there's so much that goes into that. Um, you know, I think some of the reasons um, are really selfish on our part uh, in the sense of, you know, it's easy to get complacent. It's easy to, you know, there, there's the, I don't want to say big sins, but there's those, those major pitfalls that we all know we should avoid. Right. But then there's the little things um, in life that tend to creep in uh, and we become com comfortable and complacent in those. It's really hard for me to go and you to say, Hey, how was your, you know, uh, fellowship with the Lord this week? Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, are you getting in the word of God every day? Are you praying? Are you leading your family? Well, um, and it like, and to have that accountability and have to say, no, I'm not. Yeah. Um, I pray for me, brother. I really need to work on that. That's not comfortable in our flesh. Um, I know yeah. for me, I know for uh, for you and for most people listening, they don't like that confrontation. Um, it's, it's human nature. And so, um, you know, I think that's one of it. I think uh, uh, past hurts uh, from uh, uh, when a congregation or church has not been the hands and feet of Christ, the body of Christ, the way they should be, that that can carry over and cause right. uh, fear and concern. Um, and then, you know, I, you touched on it in the sermon, but there's, there's the spiritual warfare aspect of it. The fact that, um, you know, we, we've been saved uh, by the grace of God, uh, plucked out of that. But there still is a spiritual warfare that goes on, um, f f uh, and we're being sanctified, and the enemy does not want our sanctification. He does not want us to look more like Christ, right. and I think that comes into play there. So I'd say those are the top three. There's so many more, but those are the first three that kind of come to my mind there. Yeah, um, and I tried to present—those are good, and I tried to present empathy mm -hmm. as well, because I know a lot of people—I even said this, I said— there's been bad leadership. There's been bad church leadership. There's been assault. There's been um, abuse and not just the most popular topics in the news or whatever gets the most attention, but just, you know, tyranny. 
-hmm. dictatorship, not servant leadership, which is what you're supposed to see from the pulpit. And you can make this a conversation of polity, but in all actuality, it becomes one of pride versus humility within the leadership. And you see that fellowship can really suffer, but not only can fellowship suffer, the longing for biblical fellowship can suffer. Uh, when you're experiencing that kind of thing, you know, so in your life, you're completely affected. Well, I don't need the church. I really just feel shunned by the church. And the church ends up being this very big word that encompasses all buildings everywhere of all professed Christians. I mean, we don't do that with anything like we do the church. Right. Uh, It's like someone saying, I can't stand Walmart. Well, typically what you mean is there's a Walmart that you won't go to. Uh, but you're not assuming every single Walmart runs the same. Now think about the level of churches, 46 to 47,000 churches in the SBC alone. And and you think every single one of them have the same elements of the bad experience that you had as a kid. Right. Right, And so there's a lot of that stuff that we have to understand. Do I trust the commands of God more than my experiences? Do I trust the commands of God? Do I trust God himself more than I do my emotions or my experiences that have made me sort of kind of shun all of his calling and commands. Um, I use this example. I didn't use it on Sunday, but I'll, I'll use it now. Uh, those who have served and saw combat, you heard the guns, you remember the panic, and you remember the sides. Those who did can identify with this aspect of true Christian fellowship fairly easily, even though you probably served with uh, unbelievers on the field. Like if you're talking to soldiers, you know, like you've served with people who didn't all believe in Christ Jesus. Fighting together against the enemy in life or death situations knit us together with those soldiers like nothing else could, right? Like there's a lot of their testimonies that they would say if they fought on the grounds in combat, then they are knit together by something even supernatural, right? Like something Mm -hmm. just happened, physiological. If you have a reunion of that company, it brings back memories of what you experienced and there's true fellowship. So I believe that fellowship with the gathering of the saints, something we were told not to forsake, is often seen as merely a legalistic process rather than a necessity against spiritual warfare for spiritual growth. And so one thing I said that I do stand by on Sunday was maybe some of the reason why you don't see the necessity of the church is because you're not living against the risk. You're not living against the danger of spiritual warfare. Yeah, and and I think to flip this script a little bit, it's not only one-sided, you know, it's one of those things like, it's not just from those outside coming in, joining the church, it's from those inside the church that are coming and saying, we see these people that are attending this church, whether they're visitors, whether they're neighbors, we see the pain, we see the suffering that they're going through. And we want to open up, be vulnerable with them from the body of Christ reaching out and saying, we have the answer in Christ, come and join this fellowship. And so I think the challenge with that is, um, you know, we have often our, I don't, I don't want to say clicks, but our, our groups we're comfortable with. And uh, many times that means us stepping outside of those groups and, and trying to embrace uh, the commands of Christ. Um, it starts with the leadership in church and then it moves down through the congregation. And right. then it, you have, to, and then, in that, it'll, it, it creates a safe place in church that allows people who are looking from the outside in to say, this is a place I can come. This is a place I can be vulnerable. This is a place um, I can have my burden shared. And, yeah. and so it's not just the pre-bot side saying, go find a church and join it. We're also saying, if you are a part of a body of believers right now, be looking for those opportunities to reach outside 
of your walls. Be looking to those that might even be sitting in the pew next to you that, you know, they're suffering um, in silence. You might not even know it. But the only way to know that is to know them. And the only way to know them is to make that effort to get past that barrier and to be vulnerable there. I think that's really good. I think also, too, one thing we we need to realize is when we're reading the Bible, I don't, I don't think you'll find a lot of people that disagree when we say, okay, so how do we love the Lord? Well, he says to obey my commands. That is as, that is as clear as day, as clear as a bell. We all can agree with that. And then we go over what his commands mean. And then if you don't like his commands in today's world, you just X those out and you obey the ones that you obey the ones that you do like. And so, you know, that's what becomes a bit of progressive liberalism. And you're, you're using the Bible with a red editing pen and all that stuff that we get ourselves into. So the Bible says clearly obey the commandments of the Lord. And then the, let's be honest, the commands of the Lord, like what's good and what's evil is incredibly clear. So with all that said, if we believe that and we believe the books of the Bible were written to churches, which they were, they're not written to individuals. It means it's impossible to obey these commands, given their context, outside the local body of believers. They were written to and for the local body of believers. And a lot of people will say, but I have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's not like we're corporately saved. Well, that's 100% true. You have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ that culminates, grows, builds, strengthens in within the local body of believers as God has designed it. How in the world can you pray and take other people's burdens when you don't know them? How can you pray for people when you don't know who they are? How can you trust and serve alongside people? How can you serve, period? How can you serve people if you aren't around and with people? And so I'm not trying to say that like w- without any empathy towards people's past or their situations or why they might be shocked. You just got to work towards it. It's a problem. And I'm not saying it's not a justifiable problem. I just mean if you have it, you got to work through it because the commands of the Lord are for our good. This is not to build seats. Uh, this is not uh, passionate for pastors because you just want more people in the building. What you want is more more disciples, and I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting more disciples. You want the kingdom of God to grow. That if, if you're not, if you don't want that, why are you pastoring? So the point is, a biblical church, a faithful church, is supposed to be known for their affection to one another. And the Bible Belt Christian culture, where everyone professes to be a Christian, but when you look at their fruit, there is serious lacking based on the commandments of Christ and what they are. It's clear as a bell. There's lacking there, and it ends up being self-centeredness sort of cloaked in Christianity, and you wonder why we don't have affection for one another, and you wonder why the world sees us the way the world sees us. Well, of course they're going to see hypocrisy if we can't even gather together. We, we have no—I I tell you this. There's not a membership class in Afghanistan. Right. I was going to say this tends to be a more of a Western problem. It's incredibly Western. Wherever there's more freedom— mm-hmm. There's typically more disobedience. Wherever there's more freedom of religion, we have been given the freedom to disobey because there's nothing holding us together. John MacArthur asked, uh, was asked, you know, what, what is your argument scripturally about Acts 2? Now, I went over this. If you, I won't repeat all that information, but I had scriptural reason for church membership. And that was the part of the sermon that I felt was going to definitely be the doozy. You know what I'm saying? It was going to be the one where you're like, okay, this isn't like turning into a a speech, like a propaganda speech of like how I want everyone to be a member at ABC. Right. They, they, That's they, they just joked about it. There. <laughs> right. Well, it's just, well, it's just so like, it's, I would, if I wanted to do that, I wouldn't be on the nose. Like if I wanted mm-hmm. to be manipulative, I would have been introduced it passive aggressively. I wouldn't have had a point that slid up and said, 
What are your scriptural arguments for church membership? Because you're not going to find the word membership and you're not going to find the word join and you're not going to find the word fill out the cards. We Baptists love the cards. We love the aisles. We love bringing pig troughs up onto the stage and dunking everybody in them. We have things that we love mac and cheese pots, potlucks, you know, like, like all that. that we love our stuff. Yeah. So we have our welcome cards, fill out a welcome card, all that stuff. All that's fine. There's nothing wrong with any of that. But the mentality <laughs> that you can come to church and there's nothing on the outside pushing you into the body of believers means that there's a really valuable covenantal agreement that needs to take place where people hear membership and I use the term gospel partnership instead of membership. And I've, right. I've never had more people come up after a sermon and say, we love that term. Wow. That is way better than the term membership. Because when I sit here, membership, I think of Costco. And when I'm here, membership, the roots of my American revolution ancestors of rebellion just come screaming out. I don't want to be under shepherding. I don't want to be under authority. I don't want to be any of that. And and all I'm asking you, brothers and sisters out there who are listening, who may have problems with that, is to reread First and Second Timothy and Titus. Reread the organization of the church written by the Holy Spirit to Ephesus, to Timothy, which was one of the healthiest churches that Paul had had communion with and relationships with. So what we realize is that there is an actual way to have church. This isn't a tyranny type of authority. This is a shepherding servant leadership type of authority, one that's done uh, by example, not dictatorship and to submit our lives to it and to have our families be accountable to it is a good thing because of our hatred for sin and our pursuit of holiness. So membership is not all about the card you fill out or the form you fill out or tagging you on some attendance sheet. It's none of that. It, or it, going it, to this church versus that church. It's you not know? legal. No, it's if you yeah. wanted to move because the Holy Spirit led you there, we'll move your membership. And I, I don't even know what that means. I've never moved a membership, but you just, yeah. you leave and you join somewhere. The, the, the transferring of the letter makes no sense to me whatsoever because your membership is a covenant and there's a big church but while we're all a part of the big church every christian is called to be a part of the small church the local church to do local good to build and grow to edify to, to hold each other accountable and i think if we're if we're being honest it's not even the authority that we have a problem with because we can tend to submit ourselves to all kinds of things all the time most of us have bosses right so like authority is nothing new but what i think if, if we're really serious what we have a problem with is the idea of commitment, just period, just mm -hmm. just commitment, period. Committing to even something on the schedule a few weeks from now gives many of us anxiety. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, to give you an example, even, even vulnerability attached to that commitment. It's not just commitment to like uh, shopping at one store. It's like a commitment to grow within other people. Right. Like people right. are terrible. Did you know that people are horrible? Like they, they tend to think about themselves. And, and, and yeah, I'm a pastor. I preach original sin. I know that people need Jesus. We all <laughs> need Jesus. That's the point of the church. But that's this mentality that I got to be open and, and I have to be seen. I think that's why we see a lot of attraction to uh, much larger uh, sort of churches where it gets really dark and you can kind of go in there and go out. And uh, I'm not saying the preaching isn't good and I'm not saying the, the worship is bad. I'm sure all of it's really good. But there's a reason why we don't want to be seen, and we have to examine that in light of what God wants for us, not always what our flesh wants for us. Yeah, and I do encourage anybody who wants to hear more on this topic to go on to MillieBaptist.org, find the sermon archive, um, and we have uh, the first couple in this series, and we'll continue to put up uh, the rest um, as we dig into the five functions of uh, a Christ-centered uh, biblical church. Yeah, we got two elders that are being ordained this Sunday, and so that's really exciting. We'll pause the five functions and talk about servant leadership a little bit, which still works within the 
framework of the church. But um, yes, I think that's very important to reread Acts 2, 42 to 47, to study Philippians 1, and really just pray. Pray that God give you a passion for the local body of believers. Um, people are like, you're making an idol out of the church. No, that's, see, that's not it at all. Uh, for me, it's not. Um, it's putting the church in the right frame of mind by making most out of what God has to say and the authority of the word that we are all under. And the authority of the word is incredibly clear that we need the local body of believers. And so there's a right way to do it. And we want to do it in the most God glorifying way possible. Um, with that said, we'll, we'll continue on next time. We're trying to get these out once every couple of weeks. Um, we're releasing them on Monday. Uh, so if you uh, are listening, we really do appreciate it. We hope that you will share with your friends these little Bible updates and sort of uh, brief analyses, plural, of what's going on in the life around us. Yeah, and we're super excited now that we have this uh, platform set up to use. It allows us to do it basically anywhere. Uh, and so we're going to be adding in guest speakers. I know we've been saying that, but it's going to happen this year. It is. I've got uh, several and, on, the, on the books. And uh, it's now possible because we're using this online platform. So we're and excited about first, that. First guest speaker is going to be Trevor Lawrence. Mark my word. He's going <laughs> to he's going to have just won the Super Bowl. He doesn't know that he's going to be on this podcast. We're going to do we're going to um, do I'm a, sure how Adams going to even contact him. I told um, you I, do Bunny I, Adams. Okay, no, I heard if you go to a Waffle House after <laughs> yeah. the game, he shows up at like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. there and can he you, might be able to talk to him. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you had just gotten done watching the Jags and you go to Waffle House because you're a good Floridian and you just understand the magic that happens there. And like, my question is, which Waffle House did he go to? Right. Like, <laughs> where did he go? Did he go like down Edgewood? Like, did he hit that Waffle House? I mean, where did he go? That was so funny. As soon as I heard that, I was like, <laughs> you got to be kidding me. That is great. <laughs> like you're about to dive into one of them platters and scramblers, you know what I mean? And, and then he just walks in the door. It's looking like a Ken doll with long hair. Right. It's just hilarious. Stand, standing ovation when he walks. In, so. Of course you did. That, by the way, that sentence by itself is the most Floridian thing I've ever heard. Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback received standing ovation at, at Waffle, Waffle House at one a.m. <laughs> after we beat the Chargers in the third long largest comeback in Super Bowl or uh, playoff history. Just turnovers. Well, I know you got to get back to your wife and child. And uh, Dylan, we're praying for you, brother. We know you're Thanks. in the throes of it, both of you and him, and we love you very much. But. Everybody else, I hope you have a wonderful day. Uh, make much of Jesus and know your word so you can share it with the people that you love. It's in Christ's name. All right, Dylan, I appreciate you, buddy. All right, see you later, brother. Clayman Medium.